Well, church, um, I look at Brian and Tosh's life, and I cannot help but see really our entire church through the, the lens of their life change, to see um, the, the rockiness in their lives, to see the challenges in their marriage, to see them have a family together, for God to heal them, to move in them, and to make them into the couple they are today is a spectacular thing, and it gives great hope to all of us here, regardless of where we are on our journey. But I'll tell you, there's, a, there's another person that I see Stone Point through, and um, that's actually the eyes of my six-year-old Brady. Brady was just born when we started Stone Point. Uh, he was born when we had just started meeting. Matter of fact, um, my wife and I started a church together and had children all at the same time. And so I think it led to her midlife crisis and her changing her hair to a dark auburn color for the very first time. And it lasted for about six months, but y'all check it out. I think I've provided a picture for you up on the screen. And so that's Kelly, and uh, that was actually after our very first preview service. And uh, that's her holding Brady. Uh, that was with us starting with 13 people and saying, hey, let's go out on this wild vision to see if we can start a church in Van Zant County. And then after... Yeah, hold on, hold on. Don't get too far ahead of me. After, after Brady was born, we were here at Stone Point for about a year, and then Caleb came along. And that was Caleb right there. And then after we had been here for about two and a half years, we decided, hey... Why not have another one? No, that's not actually what we decided, but that's what happened. And so then Blakely is born. And I know that one of the most often questions I get all the time is, hey, are, like, is your wife, does she come to church here? And many people have met her multiple times and you've never seen her because from the day we started, she's always served in Stone Point Kids Ministry and she's run our preschool uh, area since we began and for all of you that you're like I served a year and I'm done well Kelly is the model okay um, she's still serving in a preschool but this is our family as of last week there we go now I think back over Brady's life because when we first began we were changing diapers and then we were doing nighttime feedings and with the first child you I mean you kind of go over and beyond you know what I'm saying like you, I mean you wake them up every three hours with the second one you're like oh forget those routines they'll wake up when they're hungry right <laughs> by the third one you're like you almost forget to feed them it's just a part of your schedule you don't clean their pacifiers anymore you're just like they're good and you're fine but with Brady we nurtured and cared for him and and for so long we've walked alongside of him and this year he started kindergarten. This year he's learned to begin to read and write and to tie his shoes and learning to ride a bike and all of those awesome things. And I can look at all the times that we've seen him have an incredible expression where he learned to do something for the very first time. But we've also seen him experience some really difficult and challenging things, to fall for the first time, to have a, a big, big scrape for the first time, to you know, cry big crocodile tears for the first time. I mean, and there's just these emotions that come with raising children. There's these good things, and then there's some challenging things. And then you add three to the mix, and it just 
begins to get more overwhelming. Matter of fact, like there's some of you parents in here that I sat right back at the very back this whole time, and I know exactly what you're feeling because you're not sure if you should celebrate with us right now or be mad at us right now because you're having to try to listen and wrangle all your children, right? And then there's a handful of others in here that you're, you're I'm going to call you this, and I'm going to give you some grace too. You're kind of a Pharisee. You're like, can they not just take that kid out here? But from the very get-go, as I looked at my own six-month-old who was crying in our initial meetings, one of the things I said is that we're never, ever going to complain about lots of children. And I know that there's some of you that, like, that's nude. You're like, no, no, wait, 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 wait a second. Did you just reverse that on me? Yes, I did. That's what you call a Jesus juke right there. Oh, wait, I was kind of upset about them, but no, okay, no, I should be glad. Yes, you should be glad. Why? Because when you hear as many children, and when you see parents getting up and walking out and moving different directions, here's what you know. Our church is alive. So I look at it through the lens of Brady. And here's the deal, though. Is, as I look back at our church over the last five years, I'm tempted to do something for us as a church that I don't want to do for Brady. And that is to believe that the last five years were our best five years. See, wouldn't it be foolish if I said, hey, Brady, man, you just turned six. We're, gonna kinda, we're just going to keep you in the house, man. I, I, think, I think we've experienced so many good times that I just don't want you to, to go out and get hurt. I don't want you to go further out off the ledge. I mean, Brady, we love you too much to let you go out there. Wouldn't that be foolish? It would be absolutely foolish. At the same time, there's so many of us that we've seen God do so many great things over the last five years that we are at a crisis of belief now. And that crisis of belief is simply this. Are we now at the pinnacle? Or is this merely a stepping stone to more? Because there's so many of us that we come from churches and church cultures that you heard it. I remember back when we were in the 80s. Man, I remember when we had the large choir. Man, I remember when our youth service was twice as full as it is now. And what we do is we go, I used to, I used to, I used to. And you look back at so much of what would have been. And take any area of your profession, whether you're a coach, you're a teacher, whether you're a painter like Lance, you could go, well, I remember back then, and I wonder what would have happened if I would have done something then. I look at it from the lens of even my own family, the hurt, the experiences that we've had over the last five years. Even as I'm talking to my dad this week, I believe his best years are ahead. And I believe that for our church, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it does not come without a cost. So I just want to read this scripture to you, and then I want to leave you with this one thought. Luke chapter 9, Jesus is speaking um, to a, a crowd of people who are following him, and he wants to just give them the cost of following. And Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says, And they were walking along the road, and a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus replied, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he goes on and he says, then there's another man. And he says to him, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go and, and bury my father. Then he goes on and Jesus says, well, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And then Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Now I'll tell you that this is not um, just for us today, but it's for anyone in here. There are some of us in this room that our greatest thing that could happen today is for us to consider the cost of following Jesus. And I get it. There's a million excuses as to why you couldn't do that or why you shouldn't do that. But Jesus has made it very clear. Even in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that he had resolved and set his eyes towards Jerusalem. That even in this part of the text, Jesus said, I am going to pass through Samaria, but I'm heading to the cross. I'm going to lay my life down. And it's interesting that on his journey towards death, he's calling other people to go. And he's simply saying, but if you're going to go, then you need to know there's a cost. You need to know that it's going to cost you something. And here's my perspective. That as we get older we do more looking back and we do more things like say, well, let me go do this first or let me go do this first. And Jesus says, no, you let the dead bury their own dead. And what he was saying is, is this, not speaking of a father who had died, but speaking of man who was probably near death and his son wanting to be faithful in his Hasidic Jewish culture saying, I want to make sure that I give my dad a proper burial. And Jesus says, no, you need to follow me. At the same time, another one said, well, let me just stay a little while longer with my family. And Jesus says, no, you need to decide, will you follow me? And as we grow as people of faith, we have to resolve and say, I'm going to follow and I'm going to, as Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, I'm going to res resolve to set my eyes towards Jerusalem. We need to set our eyes, as Hebrews says, on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. And so how do we do that? Well, one, you do it in your own personal life. There are some of you right now that one of the greatest things that you can do, not only for our church, but for you personally, is to begin to develop some spiritual disciplines and dig in to Jesus Christ in a way that you have not done it. Because with you are wishy-washy, tossed to and fro, you're not helpful to the church or the kingdom of God. And the greatest thing you can do is dig your feet in and say, I believe that there's not only a cost in following Jesus, but I believe it's worth it. And not because it makes you comfortable, but because you're willing to say, God, get me out of my comfort zone so that your name is proclaimed across the nations. Then there's some others of us that not only do we need to follow him, but here's what you need to know. That if you're going to move ahead, that means you have to leave something behind. You need to think about that real quickly. If you move ahead, you have to leave something behind. And I can think of a variety of people in this service right now that God has here for this moment. And you go, well, I can't move ahead. I can't, I can't move ahead because if I move ahead now, that means that you're asking me to forget. No, no, I'm not asking you to forget. I'm asking you to mark those down and remember all those good things. 
But know that you failing to move ahead is like me putting a cap on my own son's life and saying, I don't believe there's more for you. And I believe wholeheartedly that there's more for every single person in this room. I believe that God has new things for you to, to, to move towards, new paths, new trails to blaze. I believe he's got new ground for you as a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a brother, as a sister, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a grandmother to forge ahead and move towards in. And I pray that you would do that. But in order to do that, it means that you have to do exactly what Jesus ended this text with. And he says, no man is fit for the kingdom of God if he tries to plow ahead and continues to look behind. Why? Because great farmers find something way off in the distance, a tree, a fence post, and they set their eyes on it and they till straight lines time and time and time again. And for all of us in here that we continue to look back, here's what we get. We get crooked rows. They're not, properly, they're not proper depths and our focus is in the wrong place and we look up and we wonder, what's gone wrong? Why in the world is my, why does my crop look so distorted and so messed up? Well, here's why. Because you were not looking ahead. And I think here's the danger. In your own life, in my life, but also in the life of our church, and this is what I want to leave you with. I think there's so many of us that we believe for whatever reason that we've, man, we have hit the pinnacle. Like, oh my gosh, have you seen all that God has done? And so as we reach and hit the pinnacle, then guess what? We allow other people to carry our load. We allow other people to take responsibilities that we should have been carrying all along. We allow someone else to carry the sack of feed and get the plow. And my call to you is this. Kelly and I are willing to commit to five more years of pastoring our church if our people here are willing to commit to a greater five years than we've experienced thus far. And listen, listen, I, I love you. I think that's inspirational. But listen, if that's not what we're committed to, then we're committed to going and planting another church. And I want you to hear this with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all my soul, and not for my glory, but for the Lord's. There are more people to reach, more to invite. There are more people to love, and there are more places to serve. If everybody will tow the rope, if everybody will pull in one place, then we will be so much more efficient. But the time is now. A greater commitment, a greater desire to follow, and not for me, not for our church, but what? For Christ and for his kingdom's sake. All the same time, as we look back and we see all that God has done, we know that he has so much more ahead, right? Because let me ask you a question. How long, how long does it take before you think you've got your life together? I can tell you at six years old, Brady doesn't have his life together. I can tell you at five years old, we've made so many mistakes and there are so many things that I look back and we would change as a result of our foolishness and mistakes as leadership. There are so many things I would do different. And here's the expectation. You go, well, I know, but Brandon, I mean, we're so, we're so large and God's done so many things. No, 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 no. Look, we're still infants. Most of you are in your 60s and you still don't have your life together, right? Yeah, amen, amen, yeah.
Most of you are in your 40s, and you're like, no, I, no I'm, yeah, I don't have my life together. No, none of us do. And so the question is this, how do we get our life together? It doesn't matter about your age. It matters where you put your heart and your treasure, right? And so let's follow Jesus. Let's commit to serving him and to one another. And let's remember that there is a great cost. And that to, in order for us to reach the 50,000 people in Van Zandt County, 5,000 of those in the next nine years, then it means we better get busy. Because I'm committing to five more of those years because I believe that this is a place where people can come, find hope and healing, and that they can fall in love with Jesus and he'll reorder and rechange their lives. And I want my family to be a, a part of a church like that. That's where I want to raise my kids. And so I pray that you would join us in that effort. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and we're going to close in this way before our, our band comes out. Is this. If you are here and you would say that as a result of the last five years, your family is better blessed because of what God has done here at Stone Point Church. I'm going to ask that you would stand real quickly. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 Yeah, you can clap for that. That's pretty amazing. Would you pray with me, church? God, we love you and we thank you for today. And Father, I pray that even as we continue as people, that, Lord, we would set our eyes towards you and that we would have the focus and the drive that even you had, that you would, as you set your eyes towards Jerusalem, as you were willing to lay your life down for your friends, I pray, God, that we would have the heart of a servant, that we would, just as you said, deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. And I pray that we would give all of ourselves to you, that regardless of where we are, whether we're coaches or teachers, whether we're plumbers, whether we work in, in the business sector or whether we are in public services, I pray that we would honor you with our lives and with our lips. And I pray that people would see and declare the fruit of your praise as a result of them watching our lives. And Father, I pray that if nothing else today, we're inspired to take one more step towards you not because of feelings, not because of emotions, but simply because of conviction that you move us ahead. So Jesus, this is the commissioning of us moving forward and leaving an era of our church behind. God, we'll remember all the good times. We'll remember all the baptisms, all the funerals, all the hurts, all the joys, all the sorrows. All the times that we served together, laughed together, painted together, and built together. All the babies that are here that have, weren't here five years ago. All the ones that even in this moment are crying and screaming. We give you rejoicing for that. But God, that's not our focus. Our focus is ahead. So God, would you do just as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. We would trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways. Acknowledge you that you may make our path straight. God, help us to plow straight roads because we look ahead towards you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you 
we thank you that this church will be around for 50 years because it was around for the first five. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen.